Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> Another beautiful day on the Victor Bravo Golf Course. The sun is shining, the birds are about, and there's a sudden pause in the crowd. Michael Michelson steps up to the tee box. 15th hole here, driver's recommended. <laughs> is he a caveman? Because he's suddenly clubbed up on. What do you reckon, George? <laughs> I mean, did he hit that with a dictionary? Because that was a terrible read. <laughs> oh G'day and welcome. This is golf. golf. Andrew Dado's my name. Nice to have your company. It's Easter Monday. The leaf blowers are going crazy. Everyone's on the gardening tools. It was sad news this week to hear of the passing of Jack Newton. If you've had an involvement in the game of golf, then you've had something to do with Jack. Either um, seeing him as a player, swashbuckler. Wasn't he fantastic? There's a great video of the 1975 Open that you've got to watch you'll find it on youtube uh with peter alice it's amazing please watch it so if it wasn't watching him play golf you might have been part of his fundraising for junior golf the junior jack newton junior golf foundation uh raising money for diabetes which he was also very strong with or listening to him commentate for years and years um and without question one of the best i got a call from a friend of mine called fly ray moore Millard and um, Fly rang and said, look, he'd like to talk about uh, Jack and just a memory he had of his. And I had a very strong feeling that we would talk about some other things as well. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with the Fly. He's he's amazing, actually. He's just done so much uh, in his life uh, from being a, um, a punter, not a punter, what do you call those, a bag man, what are those a bookie. He's a bookie. That's what he is. He's a colourful racing identity is what he really is. Um, but also a respected bookie and is a businessman as well. Um, now, my apologies. I've got the Weezer. Got the COVID. So it's a little bit uh, coffee on the way through. Uh, if you can put up with that, I hope you enjoy it. I started with The Fly and where we always start, and this is before we got to talk about Jack, as to how he got into golf. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Fly, thanks very much for your time. What was your start to golf? My start to golf was uh, my dad was self-taught 
got himself down to a handicap of seven and I didn't take up golf until I was 29 and because I was a bookmaker. But my dad said to me, if you take up golf, you've got to join somewhere like Keysborough where there's a lot of jockeys and trainers and bookies. And he said, you've got to play for money because you don't fool yourself. You just want to know how bad you are on your worst day, not how good you are. So I went to Graham Campbell at Yarra Bend to get a, a lesson and Roy Higgins was there on the same day. So Roy Higgins, the jockey Roy Higgins, legendary. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he was. And so I'd go every morning and Graham Campbell and I would play against Philip Droop and Peter Burke. They were two assistants and we played for breakfast every morning. And he got me got me going pretty good. Mm. But then I started to get to uh, when I could hit the ball a bit. Uh, I went to Sydney to play with the Lavender Hill Mob at mm. New South Wales. Yeah, and that was just that was wild stuff. Uh, the Bon Norman Bonnati used to play with us, and he was playing off plus three. Yeah, um, Bobby Stanton used to come and play with us. Um, Roger Davis, mm. and it was just. It was wonderful. You could get set for twenty or thirty thousand or forty thousand. Yeah, all right. Fine. In a day. Before before we get to that, right? So that's fascinating. So I just want to go back to the start. Like this is, you started playing golf at twenty nine. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So you you did you have any inkling with the game before that? Like because you're a good golfer. Like you're actually a very very good golfer, and you've played with very 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 good golfers. So in your teens, your dad, as you say, was a seven marker and you must have tooled around with him a bit. You must have known something about the game. Well, he he said to me, you have to get lessons because yeah. if you want to take the game up later on and you, you give it away or something, you you can always go back to the game if you understand what you're trying to do. So all I did was, um, was play with good players. Right. Rose pros and and that way you weren't practicing mistakes you're watching the best players and like there was Stewie Ginn, Bob Shearer, Ian Stanley, Jack Newton uh, they were and and the Bond and Peter Thompson uh, Guy Walsenholm I mean these these blokes they were all and they take time out to try and help you mm. get better and so you've so you played with all these people I mean, yeah. you were friends with all these people. Yeah. Friends or associates. Fair enough? Yeah. It's fair, would it be fair to describe you as a colourful character in bookmaking and golf? Yeah. Have been, have been yes. Yeah. So is, do you think your entree into the game of golf, and we, we are getting to your recollections of Jack, um, do you think that's because of bookmaking and there is that just that fantastic relationship between, I don't know, golf and gambling and just the bigger picture, there's that whole other sort of, it's not a seedy side, it's just another side to the game. Oh, it is, it is. But you just, I enjoy it because of the buzz. Mm. I, I mean, I'd be playing against those blokes and at my best, uh, I got down to one. Mm. But on your best oh, day. Oh, what was your handicap? Was, what was your technical handicap when you got down to one? 
No. Oh, Where's a hit? Yeah. I have had five sixty sevens in my life. Right, okay, right. So, so how <laughs> colourful character. All right, look, when you when you called, and maybe we can pick this up a bit later, because uh, I do want to talk about um, Jack Newton. He was extraordinary and um, was one of after you, you called and said you wanted to chat, then I did a Google and ended up watching the 1975 Oh, Open wasn't that wonderful? With Peter Ellis and oh. um, him and uh, Watson and it was amazing. Like just an amazing hour of television to watch. Great commentary, great fashion, no one wore hats. It was a different time. What What was your first um, meeting with Jack Newton? Uh, my first meeting was uh, through a guy called Barry Evers who was a very good golfer at the Lakes and uh, they would play him and George Freeman and quite a few other colourful identities. Yeah. And Noel Ratcliffe used to play at New South Wales. Jack, the first time I met him was on the practice putting green at the Lakes and he said to me, Fly, do you want to have a putt round for a few dollars? And I said, I'd love to, Jack. I'd love to. And so anyway, we, we putted around and... Uh, I think we broke square. And then he went up and I didn't see him for quite a while and then it was um, he had the accident mm. and then he was out of action for quite a while. And a friend of mine, John Pearcey, was a bookmaker up at on the Gold Coast. So he said, look, he said, I've got to pick up Jack at the races at Doombin. Uh, and my wife and I had an antique jewellery shop in Hastings Street. So we're up there and I come down to the races and I had been invited to play with the Victorian Police Golf Club as a patron member. And I used to go to away with them to Queensland, Adelaide, Canberra. Oh, it was just a great group of blokes and Jack Newton's father used to play with us and he was a policeman in the New South Wales police force and great bloke. But we meet Jack and I'm up to play in the tournament, Jack's tournament at Noosa. So this is his first, Is it was it his first celebrity classic? Is this yeah. The, and this is Taunton, isn't it? Yeah, it was. And so there was Bob Shearer. Ian Stanley and myself and Jack. Now, there's a professional fisherman, Alan Burton. He went out and he gave us a, an esky full of mud crabs, Morton Bay bugs, oysters. Uh, so we're on the beach and Shearer looks at me and he looks at Ian Stanley. Mm. Let's grab him. So we grabbed hold of Jack and he's kicking and screaming. And he, what are you doing? What are you doing? I said, we're going to put you in for a swim, Jack. He said, you pricks, you pricks, leave me alone, leave me alone. He said, I'll swim around in circles. Anyway, we got him into the water and he went as straight as a gun barrel for 100 yards out. Yep. Then he turned around and he swam back. And he came out of the water and he had tears in his eyes. Mm. 
So he's put his arm out and he said, come here, you blokes. I want to give you a hug. I mean, he didn't say, come here, you blokes. I would ever, ever be be able to do that. Mm. So that was, I thought that was terrific. And then other times when he was commenting. Yeah. And he'd be sitting alongside Peter Thompson, and I took towards the finish. Tomo, I didn't like him. To um, the presentation, he was a bit sarcastic in a lot of ways, and then he'd turn and say, "Well, what do you think, Jack?" And there'd be silence. Mm. Jack wouldn't say anything because if you're not going to say something smart, Pete, don't say anything. <laughs> right. I, I just thought Fine, he was. Very intelligent. Can we go back to that moment on the beach? So obviously with um, with Bob and Ian and yourselves, and so so they're two of the great shit stirrers in golf, right? Great, uh, like really funny, really friendly, great oh. old fashioned golfing characters. Well, I can tell you, we went to a, a restaurant that night, Ginger's, I think it was, <laughs> and the waiter waiter's there, and he's got a handful of drinks, and he comes over to us and Ian Stanley just reaches up and grabs hold of his balls. <laughs> he said, how are they hanging? And here's this bloke, he can't do anything. He's got an armful of bloody drinks. Oh, they, they were absolutely hilarious blokes, I'm telling you. Yeah, hilarious, now known as assault. Hey, um, on the beach, that, that I mean, that must have been a moment because obviously really great friends. Probably was that a couple of years after his accident? You said, yes, yeah. So, uh, um, he, I'm guessing it was still, you know, very tender, and he would have been questioning his ability to do things and and how well he could do things. So, how much of it of a was a risk, and how much a, a calculated risk to actually put him in the water and and know that he would be okay, not physically. Well, I mean, what a specimen um, he was at the time, but um, more well, mo- emotionally, he was always an athlete. You know, he was a great athlete and mm. we'd come up from Doombin races uh, and we had a few stubbies in there and and he was in a good good frame of mind. Mm. And then I said to him, um, would you like to come We have a, a picnic on the beach in the morning? He said, that would be great, fly. So but the, the other boys were there and uh, and it was just... It was great stuff. Yeah. It was really great stuff. And you, you could see he had such a strength of moral character. And it, anyway, we didn't even think whether we'd be uh, hurting his feelings. But Yeah, right. <laughs> and it was another time, wasn't it? I mean, it was genuinely another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he was just. He'll love this. <laughs> yeah, I'd love it, yeah. <laughs> Thought like a caged tiger. I bet. And uh, and then he introduced me to his wife Jackie. What a lovely lady! Mm. And Jackie Newton and my wife Vicky got on very very well together. Okay. And and then Kathy Shearer. What a what an absolute joyous lady she is as well. Yeah. I, you know, it's. Uh, so, so how did how did you get into this group of people? Like, how did you? Um, probably through John Evans. Mm. Johnny Evans was yeah the great John yeah John yep JE and just wanting to get better at mm. it and, you, and it's uh, and I, I was well Bruce Green used to teach me at Royal Melbourne for a yeah. lot and 
he said, look, he said, from 100 yards out with your, with your putter and a wedge, you should be off plus three. And he said, the other game, you're not big enough to hit the ball far enough, mm. so you're probably a five marker. But when you can mix the two together, yeah, it, uh, you can get a result, and you sort of and you never beat as long as you sharp around the greens. And it was, and it was fun. It was fun, and you play with those blokes like in any day, they would be four shots better than me. Yeah, and as well, Bob Stanton said to me, he said, "Why wouldn't you turn pro?" I said, I'm too small, and these blokes have got four shots on me a round at my best. Mm. Now, over four rounds, that's 16 shots. Mm. They're going to beat your brains in. So, so, so your answer was to play for money and st- still, I mean, still playing professionally, effectively. Like yeah. for all intents and purposes, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was. Uh, I had a um, Jack Dyer sort of gave me a write up. Um, Hang on, the, is this Jack Dyer? Jack Dyer, AFL Jack Dyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. He he did. I, it was the Rothmans Pro Am, and Bruce Green said to me, "Would you like to have a practice run at Long Island?" And I said, beautiful. So my handicap was 12. and But we used to play for 100 level. So. Hang on, hang on. So you'd play Bruce. You, you're playing Bruce. Yep. Off 12. He's playing off scratch. We both played off scratch. You both played off scratch. Yeah. But your handicap is 12. Yes. You're playing for 100 bucks. Yeah. Why so, would you play off scratch with Bruce Green, professional at Royal Melbourne? Well, he used to play be the pro at Riversdale. Yeah. And we we used to play level at Riversdale. And then he went to Peninsula and Peninsula was a bit too difficult for me, so he'd give me one. And then he got to Royal Melbourne and he would give me two. Mm-hmm. So he's – anyway, we play and long story short, I shoot 70, he shoots 72. Wow. And I said to him, would you like another nine holes? Get your money back. He said, I'd love to. So we played the back nine and he goes, birdie, birdie, hole in one, eagle. Wow. That, no, I, that's six under after four holes. Yep. And I said to him, and it was a silly mistake, I should have played out. I said, look. I'll pay you the money. We'll walk in. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, that was, anyway, we come out the next day and I, we bolted the, uh, the pro-am in. Okay. Of course. What's the secret, do you think, to um, competitive golf as opposed to social, um, you know, as opposed to your Wednesday, Saturday, comp, which is competitive, what's the secret to you know, are you playing the man or are you playing the course in your mind? You play the man. Yep. You play the man. You put the pressure on the man. Mm-hmm. And, and if your short gun's good, you're always a chance. Okay. So when you said Bruce said that you're a plus whatever, plus one with a, from 100 metres with a wedge and a putter. Yep. 
it's it, so really that's the answer, isn't it? It's a hundred meters. You've just got to be down in yeah, two. You got to be good. Two or three. Like I, I would take six to four to get it up and down in two from a hundred yards out. Okay. Right. And I'd back myself. Yeah. What was it like with the? You mentioned the Lavender Hill mob. So, just explain who those those people are. Uh, they were a group of business business people. Uh, they used to play at New South Wales, and it was just they were hoteliers, uh, lawyers, bookies, jockeys, a, a real good mix. Mm. But they all loved the bet. Yeah. And, and, was, and all fabulously wealthy, right? Well, well, I mean, John Evans has talked about these guys as well. So this is, you know, and at the highest level of this, this oh, mob, it's, it's Kerry Packer. Yeah. So well, we, used to, we used to play a lot, uh, Pack. And, and it's funny, when I, I was staying with Kerry, when Jack Nicholas came up out and he had Jerry Pate was there staying with him at, uh, at Kerry's place. And Jack had done some work on the Australian, which Kerry had given him the money to do it. So he decided, he said, what's New South Wales like? And Kerry said, well, we'll take um, take the fly out and we'll, uh, I'll show you. So we got out there and we've gone round in the buggy and, and Jack said to Kerry, Kerry, you spent your money on the wrong course. Oh, my God. So, you know, they're little, they're wonderful little anecdotes and memories yeah. that you've got. Yeah. Did you say you would have played against Kerry? Lots. Right. Lots. So what was that like? It was a bit exhilarating. He was, uh, he would always try to beat you down for money, but. So in what sense? I try to make you bet as big as you could. Oh, okay. You know, if you want to play for twenty thousand, he want to play for fifty. Mm. And if we're playing at the Aussie, and there's Jack McCarthy and I were playing against Mel Watson and Kerry, mm. so we're playing for twenty thousand. So we get to hang on. So when is this? Just sorry, fly. This is nineteen seventy-five. All right. So twenty thousand. Let's put that in perspective. At a value now would be what? A oh, hundred thousand. I wouldn't know. Wouldn't even know. Wouldn't know. Okay, so twenty thousand. It's a shocking. It's a lot of money. It, it was. It was. If your wife I, knew, you would have been in big trouble. No, no. I was. <laughs> I was bookmaking at the time. And oh, okay, right. You might be. You might be standing each favourite for twenty or thirty thousand, and you got eight races. So you're betting a quarter of a million. Yeah, and right. You walk around for four and a half hours playing for 10 or 20 grand. It was just a nice walk around. But this particular day, <laughs> we've, we've played and we've come up to the about the fourth tee at the Aussie. And Jack says, Fly, he said, Can you go and get my sweater out of the car? The car park's right next door to the tee. So I got out and I had a look and I. No car. When I came back, I said, Jack, are you sure you parked it here? He said, Yeah, we, we came out together. I said, The car's not there. He said, It's gotta be. And <laughs> he had he had a bad habit of just throwing the keys on the floor. 
Right. So Kerry's there, and he says, listen, Garb, he said, it's only a car. Come on, let's finish the game. It was, uh, oh, it was hilarious. They were just, they were great yeah. times. Yeah. So do you think? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, just back to this thing about playing and playing well, that if as a bookmaker, because there was so much jeopardy for you on a Saturday or whatever, you know, the Wednesday, whatever it was, um, there's so much jeopardy anyway that when you are playing for money, it was like, oh, who cares? It's not that much, not that big a deal. No, no. But it was, it was always good. On if you didn't play for money, it wasn't any fun. Yeah, wasn't any fun. Yeah. And my son Anthony, he's a wonderful money player. He's a member down at the national. Yeah, and uh, they're just. Uh, yeah, I suppose you just – you get the adrenaline buzz. Mm. I mean, it's, I know you can't – you know, I'm assuming you can't speak for what was in Kerry Packer's mind, but if he was always trying to talk you up, given he had more money than God anyway, did he – like it was not, neither here nor there whether he, whether he won or lost the money. It was about just winning the money, I'm guessing. Well, it was, yeah. He was, um, he was very competitive. He, he was a great – a tennis player, squash player. He was a great skier and he helped me out in business deals. Okay. And I helped him out in different ways too. So it was <laughs> he, he was a good mate. He was a really good friend. Okay. Um, a good winner? Oh, an excellent winner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how did that work conversely? Well, he just – I think he had – he didn't like to lose. He just yep. didn't like to lose. He right. was, uh, but I remember he had a, a horse running in the Sydney Cup and I think he, I, he backed it to win a million or something and Greg Hall's on something else. I've forgotten the name of it now. And he's beaten Kerry's horse by that much. Anyway, <laughs> Kerry just came up and gave him a pat on the shoulder and said, great ride, son. Right, 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 right. Mm. Hurting deeply. When you watched um, the nineteen seventy five Open again with yep. uh, that, and and again, it's on YouTube. It's definitely worth watching for just for lots and lots of reasons, but also just to see the the 
I don't know. It's the difference in golf swings and the and the players move, and they're well, demonstrative. And you know, what was your what what did that reignite in you about Jack Newton? Well, Jack Newton told me that he played some practice rounds with Jack Nicholas there, and there was this one particular hole, and all Nicholas did was hit four iron. And he made birdie on four of those holes. Right. And it was just, and those sort of things, and you have a look at Jack and you have a look at the stance that they used to take in those days with their putting stances mm. and, and some of their, oh, their bunker play. And I just, as you said before, they were swashbucklers. Mm. They were fearless. There was Stewie Ginn and Ian Stanley and Bob Shearer, uh, Billy Dunk. It just... You know, just I felt privileged to be able to play with them. Mm. And to do you think it was a, bit, do you think it was a, a a better time in golf? Like, I mean, I think the I, I suspect the golf was a a better. Oh, I don't know. I, I it just looked like it was more fun. It looked like they had more fun, or they had more feelings. They less robotic, maybe. Well, yeah, I don't. I really don't don't know. But it was. Um, Norman Bonada told me when he and Peter Thompson used to play, he would always let Peter Thompson drive because he said you get it was cold over there in England and mm. Scotland, and he said you needed grip pressure. He said, and I didn't think there was any advantage driving, so I let Pete drive. So they, you know, they'd get down that fine. Right. In, their, in their way of thinking for an edge. And it's just, I think they probably. Hang on, what do you, hang on, what do you mean by that? So do you mean drive the car? Yeah, drive the so car. He, so he didn't tire his hands out? Exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, he did. And it's, uh, oh, I think. Well, so when, and you mentioned the you mentioned the putting styles, which I found really extraordinary. Again, in, in watching that seventy five open replay, right? So, and they're hunched over, they they jab at it, you know, know, and they some of them have the recoil that you oh recoil that you're not meant to have anymore, and you know, like they're <laughs> they're all handsy, and so well, and I know putting's your your thing. What do you think about the old styles? <laughs> Well, I had different types of putters in those days. Um, the putters they've got now are, are just absolutely brilliant. They're so mm. well balanced and uh, their putting styles are more upright and they get they seem to get a better roll on, on the ball impact. And I think the greens are better. Yeah. I think the greens are better now nowadays. Uh, like that... Patrick Cantlay and Scotty Scheffler, uh, they, they're magicians. Yeah. They're really magicians. And that, and I think it was, uh, was it Jordan Spieth? He, he played 436 holes and hadn't had a three-putt. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah. Yes. I think, yeah, and he won this morning at um, at the RBC, which was, uh, well, he won, as the girl says at the end, he he won last Easter, he won this Easter. Next Easter is the Masters. So we'll see what happens, eh? 
Do you still follow the golf? Do you watch them? And oh, I, I watch this morning. Yeah, I I watch it every morning. Yeah, I do. So, I've got um, I've torn four inches of muscle off the the bone on my mm-hmm. arm, and the specialist said he said, "Look, I I don't want to do any microsurgery on it." He said, "You'll be have your arm in a sling for three months, and and don't know how much your arm will dissipate." Yeah over that period. So he said eventually the pain will go, but he said you probably won't be able to um, to play. Right. So you're go- the police don't tell me your playing days are overfly. I think, well, I think they might be, mate. Right. So what is, so, so where does that, that's a, that's really interesting. Where does that leave you now in golf apart from, well, are you, I mean, you've played a lot of golf. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you've played the, with the best, right? So I just – I've had my day in the sun at the golf and yeah. you, you've got to appreciate that. Okay. And what, think what, how what, lucky I was. What Did you have a best a best, a best best day, a best moment, a best time? Um, I suppose Paul Bellingham and I played against these – the, a doctor and a dentist at Royal Hong Kong, and we played for a hundred thousand Aussie. Yeah, and we beat them six and hey, five. Right? Can I ask you something? Do you so you you play for a hundred? You play for a hundred thousand. Uh, do you front up with the money? Have you got the money in your pocket when you turn up? Well, it's it's funny with the Lavender Hill mob. Everybody used to go there loaded. Right. They'd go there loaded because that's what it was. It was cash up. Right. So you could bet as big or as small as you like. Yeah, I mean John Evans, had, who's been a, you know I've done a couple of pods with him and I'm really love talking to him. Said you know like it was the the greatest fear was having bet making bets and not being able to cover them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, like you know John was he showed a ton of heart mm. when he'd get up there and so myself I was if I had to cover for him I'd cover for him. Yeah. But okay. He, so there's a, a bit because he was travelling up from Melbourne, wasn't he, to play? You know, with Bruce and yeah, we used to we used to fly up up a Thursday, and we'd play uh, La Perouse of a Thursday, and then we'd play the Aussie on a Friday. Okay. So and then was, back for the, back for the races on Friday night or Saturday. Yeah, yeah, that was it. What a time! And he well, John used to come and help me. Uh, at the races or the greyhounds, I work at the greyhounds three or four nights a week. Yeah, and it was yeah, they were great days, great days. What's the what's the difference between the races, the horses, and the greyhounds? Oh, greyhounds are much more predictable than horses. You're kidding? No, they are. Oh, they are. They're, they're just very predictable, and it's. Uh, Oh, my, my two boys are very good judges. Okay. At because the, the greyhounds. Yeah. I mean, at least with the horses, you've got someone on their back that, you know, can tell you how they were going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think statistics statistics tell you when you keep form on them and mm. logarithms and um, you're clocking to within a hundredth of a second. Oh, okay. With, with greyhounds. And they get their traits. Some like to run inside. Some run outside. Some haven't got any early pace. Um, it's just, yeah, they're 
very uh, they're quite predictable. Okay, and is a winner made or is a winner born? Very, very good question. Um, I think when you have a look at Tiger, did you see him hit that ball when he was two years of age on the on the oh, show? I, I have seen it. Well, that's born. That's born to play. Mm. But I think with a lot of hard work, an ordinary golfer can get to be pretty good. I think once you break ten, you can shoot par for nine holes. Mm. I'm just, I think I went to uh, Ewan Walters. I hadn't played for a couple of years because of the COVID and I came back and he gave me a couple of lessons and I'd play with a group called the Fairway Club of a Monday and they've been going for 75 years. They're the oldest social club in Australia, golf club. And I went down to uh, Glen Waverley Golf Course and this is about seven weeks ago, and I shot 74. I broke wow. my, my age. I'm 81. I'll be 82 next month. So I was really, really pleased. And then my son Anthony, he's got this young guy, um, Matty Lever. Now, Matty plays like plus six at the National, and the boys down there are trying to help him. They've got him to go over to Europe a couple of times and, and I think he'll make the grade. Mm. Anyway, I get down there and uh, we played about nine holes and I start to feel a bit twingy in my right bicep and then I just I hit it and it just felt like a rubber band had snapped and I, I put my finger into a 240 volt and, right. it just, and I can't do anything. I can't, I can hardly, I can hardly hold that pen now. Okay, yeah. And... A cup of tea. I can't. I've got to use both hands to hold a cup of tea. So it's so it's a golfing industry injury as well. Yes. So, um, Raymond, let me ask you. You said a player under ten can break, can shoot par for nine holes. Yep. What happens in the other nine holes? I don't know. The probably averages. The it averages out. Mm. But I do know that a lot. Well, I know once I broke ten, it was it would you could shoot pretty low. Yeah, and, and golf it's not a very forgiving game mm. because you you might play great for one nine. I always used to try and play six matches when I was playing for playing for money. In play each three holes, and then if you play bad for three holes, you forget about it, and you just mm. try and play better for the next three. And you find that they'll even out, and it's uh... yeah, that's interesting. So you say so. It, so of our bet for ten thousand dollars, we'll split that over the six. Yeah, yeah, smart, smart. Yeah. All right. Well, given that you're, it sounds like you're leaving. You know, injuries and age. Aside, you're leaving the game of golf, or because of injuries and age, I suppose. Um, what are you? What's the one thing that you're really glad that you got from it? I mean, what do you take? Discipline. Mm. 
discipline and my dad, when I took out my bookmaker's licence, the first meeting I worked at, he said, I want you to promise me two things. One, you will never complain on a losing day because you'll never complain on a winning day. And the other one, he says, um, do not bet on the horses because the punters can't win. Well, I think, you know, that's one thing he was wrong at. Right. He wasn't wrong at very many things, my dad. Mm. It's really interesting you said don't bet on the horses because the punters. So in a life in punting, so you have literally a life in punting, yeah? I know you've, you've done, your corporate work is, you know, just Google you, you'll see it. It's all there. Um over your lifetime of punting, how do you reckon you've gone in on the horses? Oh, killed them. Killed them. <laughs> killed them. Right. Yeah. Killed them. Yes. Okay. Um, it, and it, is that? I, I think you can you can contact <laughs> any anybody in the game, really. Mm. You know, and even now um, with the corporates, the corporates they won't let us on. Right. There's 10, 10 groups like Sports Bet, Big Tab, Top Sport, Bet Dogs, Bet365. They just don't want to let you on. Oh, they won't let you gamble with them anymore? No. I think okay. I was, my dad had me taught tennis from the time I was seven. And Nancy Bolton was the first lady professional tennis player. And she used to teach my my brother and myself. And my dad pulled me out of school when I was 13. He said, you are a dunce at school, so you're going to come and work for me at the races. So on a Tuesday we would go down. Oh, so your dad's a book. Sorry, did I miss that? Your dad's a bookmaker as well. Yeah. and, and So his, your dad's a bookmaker. And, and he said, was a bookmaker. Right. Oh, so I'm sorry. I'm, I think I missed that. And he said, don't bet on the horses. Yeah. And he spent a life on on the horses. Yeah, betting, taking the money in the bag. Oh, but he was not betting. No, no, he was a bookmaker. Yeah, yeah, but so he, he didn't bet him. as well. Right. No, he was laying him. Oh, okay. So anyway, we go down and I was allowed to bet five pounds. This is 1954. And you get down at Bert Madden's and all the big bookies were there, Albert Smith, my dad, Bill Morrell, uh, Jack Patel used to get there, Scobie Breezley. Um, and this particular day there was a huge punter. His name was Michael Pitt. And there was a bookie called Ron Thomas who was a very, very big interstate bookmaker. And they, they used to hate one another. But they'd come down and they'd play tennis and they, they weren't much good at it. So... Michael Pitt says, boy, you want to play? We play. I play you for 500. I play you for 500. This is 1954. The basic wage was eight pounds a week. Yeah, right. So they're playing for 500 pounds. And Michael said, I'll take Raymore and you take young Peter Madden. So we play. for the. You play the first one to get to four games. So I said, Mr Pitt, would you just go up and stay on the net? And I just won the Diamond Valley Junior singles. And how old are you? Fourteen. Yeah, right. So 
he goes up there and we win full up. So it's 500 and I, I bet Peter my five pounds. And they said, we play again. Play for another 500 change ends. And I'd turn around and there's Michael Pitt alongside me. I said, Mr Pitt, shouldn't you go up on the, the net? No, I play from here. <laughs> well, anyway, they beat us 4-3 and they got their 500 back. But that, you know, that they're just wonderful stories that, yeah. you know, you can. But the funny thing about that fly is that he, so he wanted to play. I mean, so, that, so this is the, you know, that, that thing when you're playing junior sports and the, and someone goes, no, mate, you stay over there, you stay in the corner, right? <laughs> yeah. I'll take care of everything. And you're like, well, f- fuck off, because I want to play, yeah. right? So <laughs> right. And not be told by a 14-year-old, Diamond mm. Valley champion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, these who were, uh, oh, they were good times. Yeah, it's great stuff. Hey, listen, Fly, we'll leave it there. I um, I know that there's the 1980 Masters um, video as well that's available. I think that's on YouTube too, uh, the 80s. Yeah, it's good. It's an hour and a half and that's where you'll see Jack and Seve go toe-to-toe. So I really appreciate that you called and said you wanted to just remember that oh, that story about Jack. And, um, I did. I did and he was just... Uh... Just a delightful bloke, mm. delightful man. And he was, and a very good straight shooter. He, the, the, actually, the last time I saw him, he did say to me, uh, oh, here he is, and we are playing in a um, some, some charity day, and it was raising money for diabetes, and he goes, here he is, the, he, the bloke who's done the worst ever interview in Australian golf history. <laughs> I went, oh, come on, Jack, wasn't that bad? And he goes, it was. And I, I interviewed Greg Norman after he shot the worst round in the at the Heineken. And he was going to play by himself the next day, first off, and because you know that's how the numbers worked out. So he's literally going to play with a marker. And so, as an opening question, I said something like, "Oh, you know, bad luck today, Greg. At least you know you'll be finished early tomorrow, and you can get out onto the bay and get some snapper." To which he just looks at me like, "Jack goes the worst interview." I still don't think it was the worst. There must be one worse. Anyway, he just literally said what he thought and. You know, I reckon a lot of the time he's probably right. Well, look, I think if he hadn't had the accident, he could have possibly been the best golfer Australia's ever produced. Mm. He was just, he was yeah. fearless. Yeah, fearless, yeah. It's fearless. Fearless. And and we'll never know. Uh, but certainly his legacy is um, intact and there for everyone to see. And he just, again, for junior golf and raising money for diabetes was literally extraordinary. So um, thanks to Jack Newton and thanks to you, Fly. Uh, a real pleasure to chat. My pleasure, Good stuff. Okay. So there he is, The Fly. The Fly! Raymore Millard, a bookmaker, bookmaker's son, the son of a bookmaker's son, bookmaker's son. Grandfather, whatever, you get the story. Uh, a very special um, gentleman. He's done so much in the game of golf, but it's not in the professional game of golf. It's that side game and some really great stories. And I know we're going to chat again and uh, talk further. And I wasn't expecting to talk about most of those things. I actually thought it was a, uh, a Jack Newton chat, but I'm glad we, we went elsewhere 
as well. So it's nice to remember Jack Newton, as I say, uh, a fantastic legacy in Australian golf and um, just a brilliant, just a brilliant man um, and, and brilliant for what he did and what he achieved. And as for the fly, just generous of him to, uh, to reach out and share his stories. I don't know where we're going next time on the golf podcast but I hope you'll join me for it. Thanks for listening. If you've got a story you want to tell or share, please let me know. Just DM me on Instagram. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.